Yesterday, our prayer, we, uh, it kind of solidified just for me, just as we were praying together and talking, that this is, this is the time when God gets the creative juices flowing. What's he doing? How's he going to work these things out? And Psalm 23, as we, as we look at it today, I hope it will encourage you that the Lord is my shepherd. And, and I, actually, the title is The Lord is My Shepherd. That my, I want to capitalize that. Because that's what we want to do. It's, it's this personalizing of a relationship that we have with God that is so intimate and so uh, encouraging and comforting that he is my shepherd. Amen? So before we get to that, uh, actually, on Facebook, maybe some of you have seen this, but this just kind of put a smile on my face, just kind of loosen up a little bit. Somebody wrote on there, it's day two without sports. Found a lady sitting on my couch. Apparently, she's my wife. She seems nice. <laughs> it's really, it's been kind of a disrupting little time here, has it not? But again, God's, nothing is out of his control. So Psalm 23, before we get to it, I, Franklin Graham sent out an email yesterday. It said this, our president has declared today, Sunday, March 15th, to be a national day of prayer. He reminded the entire country that throughout its history, the United States has looked to God for strength and protection in times like these. He wrote, I am thankful to President Trump for recognizing the power of prayer and showing faith in the Lord to intervene on our behalf. With so much uncertainty surrounding the, the coronavirus around the world, people are afraid. Now is the time for Christians to be strong and courageous, knowing that Almighty God is with you, with us. Amen? So he gave a little list, which I'm going to, I put up there, and I'm, I'm, I want to pray these things through with us here, and then you online, if you would also, with, with, your, with your group there, your family, I want to take these things, and I'm going to put these up after also, that we can be praying for our church. It's the most powerful thing we can do, and no circumstance uh, prohibits us or intervenes at all. We can always pray. So first thing is, those who are sick in their families, Lord, we lift them to you. We pray in Jesus' name you would heal, that, Lord, you would strengthen. And, Lord, we're asking for your, just your comfort to those who are sick, to those and their families. Those who are living in fear and anxiousness, Lord, we can all you know, take a little bit of that and pray for ourselves. Because we look at these things that are beyond us, we look at what's going on, and it naturally stirs in us this fear, anxiety. But Lord, we are praying and asking you to be our peace, to be to us the comfort that we need. The professionals, Lord, we thank you for them, providing medical care. We're, ab we're absolutely thankful for those who have been equipped, those who have been trained, those who have gone to school, that you can bring into, our, into our, th these uh, difficult times some the medical knowledge, the medical professionalism that we will need. And those working on treatments of the vaccine for COVID-19, we pray again, Lord, for your just leading, guiding, blessing these things, our leaders, that they can act with wisdom and courage as they make vital decisions that impact each of our lives. And we pray for our president. We ask, Lord, for, for Vice President Pence, our nation's this task force, that you would be working in them and through them and that as they're diligently attending to these things and the myriad issues that come with this pandemic, Lord, we as the body of Christ are never hindered by location or circumstance. So in Jesus' name, we're asking these things. Amen. Now, I'll give a couple of scriptures just to again encourage us. In 1 Peter 5, 7, Peter wrote this, casting all your care upon 
him, for he cares for you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy. We're going to look at that this morning. Goodness and mercy follows me, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So thankful for God's mercy, God's grace. Philippians chapter 4, many of you are familiar with this one. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for what? Nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Now, that's a lot of times we leave the thanksgiving out because, hey, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Nothing, just let's ask God. And the peace of God will guard, will, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. The picture that he's giving to us in, in, in this passage is of a soldier standing guard over our hearts. So prayer does that. Prayer brings that into our lives. So to, be, to begin our time together, let's, let's, let's continue to keep our, our minds and hearts in prayer to God. It's the most powerful thing we can do. Do you believe that? I believe that. And I'll tell you, at prayer meetings, as you're praying with people, it just brings a settledness because we've gone to God with these things that are beyond us. Now, as you go on in Philippians, this is what he goes in the next verse. We've prayed. We have the peace of God. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And as the Lord put Psalm 23 on my heart, it's loaded with just that, these things for us to meditate on, to think about. So I hope to encourage you, as I, I've been encouraged just studying this and re, revamping in my own heart, how am I responding? What's going on in my heart? Hey, the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23, I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Say it again. Amen. Now, the personal pronouns that saturate this little psalm, my, me, I, he, his, you, your, were David's confidence and comfort and peace that all these are his because Jesus, God, is his shepherd. The Lord Jesus Christ is called the good shepherd. He's called the great shepherd. He's called the chief shepherd. The Lord Jesus knows our needs. And so, do you know Jesus as your shepherd? Can you personally say the Lord is my shepherd? Not only is this who Jesus is to everyone who knows him, but it is who he becomes to everyone who does not yet know him. So the, the, the fantastic thing about this is God is wanting to be our shepherd. He's wanting us to know the security, the safety, the assurance that we have because he is my shepherd. So the most important question, just looking at this psalm, is he your shepherd? Can you say he's my shepherd? 
Now, what I want to do, and I'm going to ask you to do this with me, is to read through this psalm again, but I want you to read with me out loud, and to personally take it as your pronoun. So would you join me? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, Lord, we thank you for this psalm. I pray now your blessing on the things I prepared, that you'd bless us with your word, with your truth, your presence here in all the places that people are meeting, not only our little, our little family of faith, but, Lord, so many right now are drawing close to you through your word and worship and wanting and needing. Lord, we need you and we need to hear from you. We want to take these things to heart and find in you our peace, find in you our comfort, find in you our guidance, all the things that the psalmist is talking. In Jesus' name, amen. So the goodness and mercy of the Lord is what this psalm is all about. David expressing confidence in God's goodness and God's mercy. It's the life that we have in following him that follows us. Psalm 23 is a psalm of trust and confidence in God. The psalm is of God's strength and grace to every age group and through every age of life. In Psalm 22, 23, and 24, we, these are called the shepherd psalms. So there's three of them, actually. We always think of 23 as the, as the shepherd. 22, 23, and 24 are numbered together by the Holy Spirit as the shepherd psalms. So it's beautiful. In Psalm 22, Jesus is the good shepherd, the good shepherd Savior who died for the sheep. Now, in John chapter 10, Jesus said this. He said this. <laughs> okay, well, what he said is, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So the goodness of God sent his son to give his life. So he is the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. And it speaks of what he's done for us in the past. It speaks of the cross, which we're going to talk a little bit more about in our study this morning. The cross. Psalm 23, Jesus is the great shepherd, the great shepherd savior who lives for the sheep. In Hebrews chapter 13, we read this. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, what, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And everyone said, amen. He is the great shepherd. We're going to look at that more tonight, this, this morning. Now, uh, Psalm 24 he is the chief shepherd savior. He is the one who is coming for his sheep. Can I hear an amen? We're looking forward to him, his coming. This virus just amplifies that desire we have. Lord, come quickly. Come and set things in order as he will. So 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd what appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not 
fade away. So this speaks of the future. It speaks of the crown that we will be receiving, the king also crowned. So it's a marvelous group of psalms. It's prophetic. It's also personal in this revelation of who Jesus, he is the good shepherd, he is the great shepherd, he is the chief shepherd. Would you say amen with me? So as we look at the shepherding of Jesus over our lives, it's past, it's present, and it's future. And we'll look at this uh, final uh, verse once we get to the end of the psalm. So let me just, I just want to continue to build a little preface to going through the psalm and just kind of skimming through Psalm 23. It may be the most familiar chapter in all the Bible. David the king looking back on his life, and I believe he's remembering David the shepherd boy, where God called him as a little shepherd boy. Those early formative years in David's life that I believe formed and forged in his heart, God is my shepherd, because David himself was a shepherd. His life, David's life, was not easy. In fact, it was rather difficult. It was very painful. And he had these seasons, what I call seasons of the soul. David had them. The sweet psalmist of Israel expressed the highs and lows in poetic language that has not been equaled in the Bible, many of the psalms. A man after God's own heart, David, but also a man who broke God's heart. He was a man who knew the love and loyalty of God, but he also knew the brokenness and betrayal in his life. He was a husband and father who loved deeply, but failed terribly. And even in his life, he, what he did caused a lot of years of pain and suffering for his family. He was a commander who led his troops in great victories, but he was also a soldier who wept with his fellow soldiers in, in the midst of great defeat. A man after God's own heart, in that, he wrote and knew Jesus, God is his shepherd. He repented often. He prayed regularly. He praised God through all these seasons of his life. David, here's a simple thing. David knew his need for God. And as he's talking about the Lord is my shepherd, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, as he is writing about this in these three Psalms prophetically, what he's saying is, I need God as my shepherd. David's got knew God's loving presence, his provision, his protection, his restoring of his soul, which I think is centered in the psalm and centered to what he's saying. He restores my soul. In this psalm, David pictures God's people as sheep. Why is that? First of all, because he himself knew the heart of a shepherd, and he knew God's heart. He had the mind of a shepherd, and his soul understood what a shepherd goes through. Also, he writes it prophetically, scripturally, so that God's people can consider our need for the shepherd. Shepherds lead their sheep. Shepherds guard their sheep. Shepherds provide for their sheep. Sheep cannot be driven like cattle. They must be led gently. Sheep are defenseless animals that are prone to get lost. Can you say amen to these things? Sheep need constant care. 
Now, the older that we get, the older I get, the more I realize I need daily, I need God's constant care over my soul. Shepherds know their sheep by name. They call them and they follow. Shepherds comfort their sheep by reassuring them and resting them. Shepherds rescue their sheep when they do go astray. Shepherds, I love this, shepherds are involved in delivering the little sheepies when they're born, the lambs. They're right there involved with it. Easily said in this thing, shepherds love their sheep. We are loved by God deeply, caringly, and completely. And so the third reason is so that we might know how much we are loved by God. Speaking to our minds, our hearts, our souls. He is my shepherd. No matter what the circumstance might be, no matter how bad it might get, God is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. So that I would know that my shepherd, no matter what path I'm on, no matter what fear I'm facing, no matter what burden is on me, he is there with me through the whole of every season of everything that happens in my life. And this coronavirus is no different. God is my shepherd. So I begin with this observation in Psalm 23. The first three words and the last three words are bookends for what's contained in between them. And it goes like this. The Lord is the Lord forever. Can you say amen? The Lord is, in other words, God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and for. So I begin with this simple thing. Let's remember who we're talking about here. The Lord is the covenant name of God, the relational name of God, Yahweh, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The Lord is the Lord forever. Psalm 89. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. There it is. The Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I, for I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall establish in the very heaven. God is our faithful God who loves us, and he is forever the same. In Psalm 90, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, for even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. From vanishing point to vanishing point, you are God. Think back as far as you can, which is very limited as human. Think back as far as you can, and God is beyond that all the way. And all the way forward. He is the same. He is here from everlasting to everlasting. And then in Isaiah 26. Trust in the Lord forever. There it is. The Lord forever. For in Yahweh the Lord is everlasting strength. He strengthens me with might in the inner man. He is the strengthening of our souls. Amen. Now, the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. David did not say I have not wanted. He said, I shall not want. Sheep are smart, sociable, and complex. Would you say amen? We'd like to say that about all. I'm smart, I'm sociable, but I'm complex. They build friendships. They feel sadness. And also one of the most, one of the things about sheep is they are probably one of the most destructive creatures on earth, left to themselves. Did you know that sheep are dirty animals? 
Hygiene is not high in their priorities. Did you know that sheep can be stubborn, hard-headed, pig-headed animals? Did you know that about sheep? So it's not as though in typifying our lives as sheep, it's not as though we naturally or we are naturally docile and submissive in nature. No, we naturally are fighting for our what? Our wants. That's what we do. And our wants are the very things that could kill us. He said, I shall not want, not I have not wanted. Many times we think that we know best. Many times we think that we know better than our great shepherd, our good shepherd, our chief shepherd. See, left to ourselves, many of our wants would kill us. They destroy us. Our good shepherd will faithfully meet our every need. He will lovingly protect us from our every want. Under his care, we learn to let go of our wants and give the decisions to God for what we need. It's this idea. I'm going to let you decide this time. You make enough mistakes and you realize, I think I'll let God decide this time. Our greatest need was met by Jesus on the cross. Our greatest need to be reconciled to God, be redeemed and forgiven. John 10, 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, sin, listen, sin was the result of a want. It was a result of saying, I know better than God. Lead, it led to sinning against God, leading to death and sin entering the world and separation from God. So we read in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more, capitalize it, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Christ, there it is again, much more capitalized. Having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. God met, took care of the greatest need we will ever know. And that's how can we be forgiven? How can we be reconciled to God? How can we know him as our great Savior? So here's where I wanted point one. Our greatest need in the midst of all that's going on right now is to remember the cross. Our greatest need is to a perspective that always includes the cross. That's the basis of everything else that we experience. God gave us his son. He died on a cross for our sin. And through faith in him, we now experience salvation, reconciled to God. And it's not based on what I've done for God. It's what God's done for me. I enter into that through faith. Can you say amen to that? Our greatest need is a perspective. The cross declares that God has taken care of our greatest need. He's reconciled us to himself. Therefore, when things frighten me, he will take care of my every need. When things upset me, he will take care of my every need. 
when things are out of my control, he will take care of my every need. Now, let me ask you something. Has this coronavirus not uh, sort of amplified all those things? Hey, God's going to take care of my needs. He's going to take care of me through it all. Verse 2 and 3, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, sheep will not lie down when they're hungry. You ever go to bed with a hungry tummy? Sheep will not lie down when they're hungry. Secondly, sheep will not drink from fast-flowing waters. They're afraid of them. And so a shepherd... Make sure his sheep are well-fed and rested. That's what he does. Shepherds make sure that, a shepherd makes sure his sheep are well-watered and refreshed. That's the picture we have in verses 2 and 3. He makes me, he leads me, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What's he saying? The great shepherd will lead his sheep on the right path. That's really what it's saying there. On the right path, on the right way. Because that is what he always does for his name's sake. That's the nature of God. He's not going to lead us astray. He's not going to be, be, you know, stirring up frightening things. He's going to want to be comforting us, give us rest, give us refreshment, feed us, refresh us. That's what the relationship does with him. He makes me, he leads me, he restores my soul. Our shepherd knows the needs of our souls. We are relational beings. We need relationship in our souls. And if we don't have that, all these other things become what begins to take over our very lives. Fears, anxieties, all of these things. Our souls need to be restored every day. Our souls need to be well fed and rested every day. Our souls need to be well watered and refreshed every day. My shepherd restores my soul. How? The reality of his continual presence with me. Well fed by the word of God, I am resting in his presence. Well watered by the spirit of God, I am refreshed in his presence. Jesus said on the last day, that great day of the feast, he stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit. So when I'm in the presence of Jesus and and the Holy Spirit is watering my life, Jesus said it's like torrents of living water. It's not my water I need, it's what the world needs out of my life. In torrents of living water. Our daily need is to be rested and refreshed in the presence of Jesus. And I hope you'll take that to heart. Not only remembering the cross, perspective at the cross, but in the presence of Jesus, I'm being rested through his word. In the presence of you, I'm being refreshed by the Holy Spirit and the presence of God in my life. Jesus said about Martha, Martha, you're busy about many things. But Mary has chosen this better part. So what was Mary doing? She was resting at the feet of Jesus. She was being refreshed at the feet of Jesus. How listening to what he was saying into her soul, into her heart. 
He makes me, he leads me, he restores me. Sometimes he has to make me. You need to lie down. And maybe for many that are here watching, this whole thing, we're getting another perspective. It's always making us understand our need for his presence. Making us understand our need to rest. Making us to understand our need to be refreshed in his presence. And, and, and sometimes we're submissive and we let him lead us. May, the help, may he help us to just follow him right now in these paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And that this path that we're on, these things that we're going through as a nation, as a world, are going to recalibrate what I understand is very important, and I hope you too, that we need the word of God daily. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit continually, where we find the rest of his promises in his word, the rest of the truth that he gives to us, the rest that comfort comes through the scriptures, and then we're refreshed because the Holy Spirit in our lives does just that. Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. See, for shepherds leading their sheep, there were no fences. The land was rough and dangerous, abounding with wild animals and snakes, and the helpless flock needed constant oversight. So the shepherd must at times lead his sheep through unknown ravines where the steep and narrow slopes were not only dark, they were dangerous. He's got to lead them through those times. We are in just that kind. It's dark, it's dangerous, and we're needing our shepherd close by to our hearts. You are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So it speaks really of the uncertainties of life. We are in such a time as that. The uncertainties of life. The factor that makes everything different is the presence and the protection of my shepherd. You are with me. God is with us. I was so encouraging because my soul is no different than yours. These things stir up in our finiteness, in our fears. It stirs it up. But he is, you are with me. In the valleys, in the darkness, in all the disturbances, in all the things that are dangerous, the uncertainties, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the rod and the staff are the shepherd's equipment to protect the sheep. The rod and the staff represent God's daily diligence in watching over our lives, reassuring us, comforting us, getting us back in the right place so we're safe and secure in him. The rod was for defense. The staff was for direction. And we need both. We need to know that we are being kept by him, protected from everything that's going to be happening, and we're being directed. His guidance is spot on. We need that. It's the reassurance that I need to know I'm safe. It's the reassurance I need to know that I'm protected. And let me say this. There is no greater safety, there's no greater protector than the Lord, who is my shepherd, God. And I hope that we can take that to heart and realize no matter what's going on around us, no matter what's happening, we have God 
protecting us. We have God guiding us. We have God. Now, sometimes that rod gets a little difficult, but that's all because he loves us. He wants to keep us in a place and lead us back to those places of safety. So when these things are going on, we need someone bigger than these things. We need someone bigger than the troubles. We need someone who's bigger than the greatest danger we ever face. We need someone who can face the unknowns for us. There's no one bigger than God. Now, what's the biggest thing that we face? It's death. There's nothing to compare to that. Death is the supreme test in all of life. All of our life, we live in the shadow of death. The pandemic has exposed this grave reality for us. We are all going to die. At an appointed time, death will knock on our door. For the believer in Jesus Christ, it will be like falling asleep and then waking up in the presence of God. I don't know how that's going to work, but that's what the Bible says. Calls death sleep. You know how it is, you sleep and then you don't know what's happened all night, you wake up and here we are. Well, death is like, just like sleep. We fall asleep and then we wake up in the presence of God. That's not so for the unbeliever. And thus again, the unbeliever, the person who's refused the gospel, the person who's rejected Jesus Christ, decided against following him, it will be like falling asleep and then waking up to the worst nightmare you can imagine. And that's the truth. God is not wanting any to perish, but that all should come to repentance. And through repentance and faith, we escape that nightmare through Jesus Christ. That's why the gospel of Jesus Christ never loses its urgency. We have a time right now where people will be hopefully more open to our message of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ will never lose its power. The power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Everyone. But dear soul, maybe some some of you are watching, if you don't know Jesus Christ, it's a nightmare when death comes. So now is the day of salvation. Romans chapter 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not you might be, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. Something happens in your heart before God. You realize you're not righteous. You realize you need him. So the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So it's linear. I hear the gospel. I believe the gospel. I'm saved. Can I hear an amen? And I, I trust that all of us that are gathered here, and in the house, I'm trusting and hoping that all of us know the assurance that we have if we believe the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever what? Believe. Believes in him. It's not complicated. We don't have to go to heaven and figure it out. We don't have to go to hell where it's too late to figure it out. God's brought the answer through Jesus Christ and the cross. And through believing in him, we will be saved from what? Death. That's what we're promised. For the, for the believer in Jesus Christ, 
The fear of death has been taken care of. In this life, however, there are fears and more fears that come along. In this fallen world, evil is all around us. So the coronavirus is shaking out those fears. That's what's happening. Of the whole world. That microscopic thing that you can't even see has brought the world to its knees. It's brought the most powerful nations to their knees, the United States included. It stopped the world in its tracks for a while. It has brought, again, fear. It rules in many hearts, in many families, in many nations. So, dear fellow believer, dear brother and sister in the Lord, Jesus, our great shepherd, is with us. Jesus will protect us. Jesus will keep us safe. Jesus will direct us. Jesus will comfort us. The worst thing that can happen to us, humanly speaking, is that we die. But that will be the most glorious moment that ever happens in our lives. We will fall asleep in corruption and wake up in glory. We will fall asleep mortals and wake up in immortality. We will fall asleep and this tent will be, we'll leave this tent and we'll wake up with a new habitation which God's prepared for us. Can you say amen? That's the worst thing. God's taking care of it. Our faith will be sight. He who we do not now see, but we love him, we are going to see him in glory. That's the promise. That's what we have to look forward to. So here's, again, fellow believers, brothers and sisters in the Lord. There is no better opportunity than now to let our light shine for Jesus. There's no more strategic time to ask the Holy Spirit, what can we do? How does this open up opportunities for us to share the gospel, and to shine for Jesus. Let our assurance and our peace and our joy shine for the world to see. Shine in our spheres of influence. Shine in our homes. Shine in our businesses. The Lord does not always remove the dangers of life. But that does not change who he is. That does not change the gospel. That does not change He who is our good, our great, and our chief shepherd. So, verse 5, you prepare a table. I love this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That table simply means literally something that's spread out. So those flat places in the hilly, hill, hill country were, were called tables, and the shepherd sometimes would stop the flock at these tables and allow them to eat and rest and then he'd he'd head for the fold. So picture, flat, hey, you know what? Let's gather on the table. I'm gonna prepare something for you. Rest and refreshment. 
Despite the unknown and impending dangers, the Lord spread out a table of joyous fellowship in the presence of every enemy around them. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. In other words, what is the world seeing? What are the enemies of the gospel seeing? What are the people seeing in our lives? It's the most tremendous opportunity to let people see the joyous fellowship that we have as sheep of our great shepherd. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. A little girl said, Lord, fill up my cup. I can't hold very much, but I can run over a whole lot. Can I say an amen? Let, let's let the gospel in our relationship with our shepherd run over a whole lot. In this opportunity, our greatest opportunity has been given to us as a daily opportunity if we will take it and let it run over a whole lot. Bob Bennett, I don't know if any of you, some of you who are older would probably know Bob Bennett. He had this great song. It comes back to me every time I start thinking about these kinds of things. It's called Madness Dancing. He writes, in the middle of this madness, I am dancing. Though I'm not quite sure just how. I tried to be sober, tried to be logical, but I could not stop my feet. I know I've not turned off my mind. I know there's evil all around. But now I just want to close myself in and dance. He's talking about his relationship with the Lord. Letting it run over. No matter what's going on around us, the Lord prepares a table before us in the presence of all of these enemies. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I began with this observation, the first three words and the last three words are bookends for all that we just lightly went over. The Lord is the Lord forever. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let's remember during this whole thing who it is that's our shepherd. Let's remember who we're talking about. Let's remember who we're living for and living with under his tremendous guidance. You see, when we look back and see only the goodness of God that followed, which is what we're going to see. All those other goodness follow shall follow me all the day. When we look back and realize how good God is, how merciful God has been toward us. The ones who followed him as best we can, who's directed us and made us lie down at times and led us at other times. When we realize that all that followed us and all that's around us and all that God's done in us, what's going to happen when it's all over? We're going to bow before our shepherd king. And say, thank you. Surely goodness and mercy did follow me all the days of my life. Revelation 7, 17 in closing. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them. This is in glory. And lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you so much that you are our shepherd. Lord, I would say for me, and maybe join me, you who are watching online and us here, just to, again, personalize. Lord, we, I am thankful that you are my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Lord, we are so thankful that these are the things that you do. You anoint my head with oil. Lord, we thank you. We worship you. And Lord, just as we're closing here, we want to continue in praying this whole thing through. It shall come to pass. We believe that. It's a time and a season you've allowed in your sovereign providence, the things that are going on. This is no, these are no surprise to you. But Lord, how we want to find ourselves having the perspective of the cross. And Lord, understanding that you took care of the greatest problem, the greatest need. And Lord, we want to know through daily spending time in your presence, the refreshment that comes by the Holy Spirit, the fullness that comes from your word. And then, Lord, again, this opportunity that we have before us as believers, where you prepare a table before in the presence of our enemy, that they would see the fact that we are at peace, we are at rest, we have a hope. We have, Lord, just this, this hope in you that transcends anything and everything that can ever happen. So I pray you'd strengthen us in our faith, the inner man. You'd bless, Lord, as we're working through this as an individual, as families, as a church, and as a nation. We pray for our president, vice president, all the things that we began. We pray, Lord. And ask in Jesus' name, you'd hear our prayers, we'd stay in prayer, and then, Lord, you would bless this, this uh, little adventure that we're on now because of this virus that's, that's uh, happened. We love you, Lord. We're going to trust you. We're going to put our faith in you. We're going to, Lord, believe that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. We're going to believe, Lord, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. And, Lord, we're going to, again, ask you for the boldness, the fullness of your Holy Spirit, that we can take this message to the world right now that, that is our little spheres of influence. You bless our desire toward that. In Jesus' name, everyone said,